Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown, episode 119, is ready to go, and the excitement around new head coach Dan Mullen. Hey, it's getting Gator Nation ramped up right now. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me tonight is the two co-hosts again. Uh, we can't, uh, you know, all this head coaching talk, uh, we all want to be involved here uh, with Gators Breakdown, uh, talking to Dan Mullen uh, Really hot topic right now, and we're, we're enjoying all the interaction out there. So Bill Sykes and Will Miles is joining me here. You can find Bill on Twitter at Real B Sykes and Will Miles on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. Uh, Will, it was going to be uh, just me and you, but Bill couldn't live without us. <laughs> he sort of put, he pulled a reverse Chip Kelly on us and told us he wasn't going to be here and then showed up tonight. So uh, good to have him here. It's always good, especially since he's been so positive. People on Twitter noticed he's he's positively giddy over this Mullen hire. So <laughs> I couldn't help it, man. I honestly am excited about this, and and uh, I, this was my day off today, and but I was like, you know what, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it to it. So I just had to jump back in with you guys. So what do you got in that cup, Bill? Is that uh, is that it's just water? just water tonight? It's not vodka or anything. I, the last time we were on, we just hired a new coach. I'd had a rough night at work. I felt that it merited one adult beverage. <laughs> I was drinking responsibly. You're, it, podcasting and drinking is not illegal. It's not like, you know, not causing any trouble. I, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything at all. <laughs> I'm you, a grown man. You apologize for no reason. It, it was a good beer, too. <laughs> well, at least it was good. <laughs> yeah. This coffee I got, I think I need like five shots right now. Just to, maybe, maybe that'll clear it up. <laughs> well, that'll, that'll be <laughs> that, that, that'll be Dave if on the uh, during the spring game they call play action third and long. He'll come on the next, <laughs> the next day with five shots at him. Damn you, Dan Mullen! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Remember, you can find all your Gators breakdown episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. And believe me, uh, we've seen the numbers, uh, especially from the, the the show we did with Dan Mullen uh, being hired and. Thank you guys out there uh, for listening and sharing Gators Breakdown. Uh, but you know when you're when you're out there, you just search on those sites or get the links by following Gators Breakdown on Twitter and on Facebook. And look, hey, when you're on iTunes, hey, rate and review the show. It, it helps us out. You know, there's that iTunes chart uh, that they have. You know, get Gators Breakdown on that chart uh, on the iTunes chart. You know, the top 200. Uh, they have a sports section. We'd like to see Gators Breakdown up there. Uh, but you know, guys. It, Great feedback, great numbers from, from the Dan Mullen show and throughout the season as well, Gators Breakdown. I really uh, got noticed uh, this past football season that you know, we've been 
ramping up everything. And, you know, Will joined us, and this was the first season uh, I had Bill on during the season itself. So, you know, thanks to you guys out there, too, uh, for joining me here on Gators Breakdown and, and spreading the word. But, uh, you know, guys, uh, our followers out there have really taken notice, and, and, and the numbers show it. So uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you all so much. And, Dave, thank you for bringing me aboard. Uh, definitely, Dave. Appreciate it. And everybody out there, keep the comments coming. I love interacting on Twitter, though sometimes during my day job, it's a little bit hard to keep up. So if I'm not responding until five or six, give me a little bit of a, give me a little bit of a window. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, Dan Mullen, of course, uh, had his press conference on Monday. And he hey, look, he seemed energized and excited to be at Florida. Uh, had a smile on his face all day. Got out of the plane with Gator chomping to the crowd and the media that was gathered there. Uh, then we get the press conference where uh, that feeling continued, and he hit on everything a Gator fan could ask for. Uh, you know, now coaches don't win games because of great press conferences, uh, but Dan Mullen said the right things, carried himself in a way that made Gator Nation excited, whether it was about embracing the pressure that we know Florida is, quarterback development, and how he'll cater to different quarterbacks, uh, talking great about Coach Spurrier, explaining what he wants from his players on and off the field. Whatever it was, he nailed it. So probably, you know, one of my favorite topics was how he and Scott Strickland both made sure to point out how strength and conditioning will be emphasized during his time at Florida. And I heard last week how bad it was under Mike Kent uh, and Jim McElwain and how it wasn't a big emphasis to Jim McElwain. And that only has been confirmed by our good friend Thomas Goldcamp on the 24-7 network, GatorBait.net. Thomas goes into detail about some of the things he was told uh, in a post on the message board there. So I advise you guys to go out there and read it. I'm not going to steal Thomas's thunder there, but he has a lot of insight uh, on how bad just the strength and conditioning program was at Florida under the previous staff. And also, I love Mullen's quote uh, kind of to back that up. And he's just talking to the players here. Uh, somebody asked him what he said to the players. He goes, quote, I told him to rest up in December because when they come back in January, it will be nothing like they've done before. <laughs> so now, guys, the coaches don't really lose press conferences. Uh, it's, it's set up to, 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 to wild the fan base. We heard some real nice things from Dan Mullen uh, at his. You know, I came away uh, really impressed with what I saw from Dan Mullen. Yeah, I did too. I I, uh, and I went back and I listened to Jim McElwain. So Jim McElwain, it, it wasn't like as weird as I thought. I remembered it just because I've heard some, him say so many other weird things, you know, over the years. Uh, and you really can't take too much from these introductory press conferences. But at the same time, the one thing that I think was abundantly clear from from Mullins is that there was a genuineness when he was expressing the fact that he gets it. He knows what Florida's about because he's been there. He knows, you know, what the offensive struggles are in developing quarterbacks and stuff because he's done it. You know, he knows what it's like to compete in the pressure cooker of the SEC because he's he's done it, and he's done it with good success. So when he stands up there at the podium and tells you, oh, we're going to do this and this and this, and that there's a reason for that, and, and I know what needs to be done, you can believe it. But when Jim McElwain stood up there, it was like, hey, man, yes, he was a coordinator at Alabama for a short time, but Colorado State was not Florida – you know, nor was, you know, being a head coach and waiting at Texas, the same thing for, for Will Muschamp to come into this, this you know, this tinderbox uh, environment uh, because he knows it is an environment that is high pressure, but there's a lot you can gain there. It's a place where you can achieve excellence and you can ascend the mountain. And I believe that he, he believes he can do it. I really believe he, he believes that he can. 
Yeah, there were two things that I heard that I really enjoyed. I, I like the fact that he said compete about 50 times. I mean, it was just over and over and over again that my guys are going to compete. My guys are going to compete. My guys are going to compete. And that's something that I'm not sure we've heard much of recently. It's it's And and there were even grumblings within the program about favoritism and different things like that, and that com- competition wasn't necessarily the way people were winning jobs. And then the other thing that he said is that he was very, very clear with his players about the standards and expectations of a player at Florida. And he said that over and over again, standards and expectations. And again, I think those are sort of two of the things that we would say are probably missing. And and the strength and conditioning comments that, that you're alluding to, Dave, are, are part of that. I mean, it was really weird after the Michigan game when McIlwain called out, you know, basically said the team isn't strong enough. And at the time, I was like, he just doesn't get it. But now it's pretty clear, I think, that there was some friction between him and the administration in terms of the strength program. And that was just, I mean, it was just a really weird, almost, I mean, at this point, looking back on it, looks almost like somebody who had given up at that point, just based on the comments and based on what we're hearing now. Again, I'm not privy to necessarily the inside information there, but, but you know, Clearly, Mullen has a track record that we talked about last time, and I'm sure we'll talk about more tonight, that gives you some confidence that when he comes in and says, I'm going to do it, he's going to do it. But the biggest thing for me is he wants him to compete, and he's going to make sure the expectations are clear. And, you know, I think from an opening press conference, that's all you can ask. But obviously, um, you know, when he scores 30 points, that'll be way more important than what he said the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, um, you know, one thing – that was really funny, and because this cause, and I tweeted this out as well, and I know you guys will back me up on this, but of course, the stuff about his wife was brought up, and the pressure at Florida, and her comments of having to shop uh, at Publix in Orlando or whatever when she was working for the Golf Channel, uh, and he kind of said, "Look, we wouldn't be here if she didn't want to be here, and we're all married, and we know that is absolutely true." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did take his comments as genuine, though, as a sign of respect to her that you know yeah. they're on this crazy coach and coach's wife journey together. And I'm sure that is a, a crazy existence they have to live. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he was a, trying to get out in front of that immediately. And I think he did a pretty good job at it. He was very candid, just like when uh, he was asked about the comments with the lateral move, you know, when, when Jeff Collins came over and he was like, very frankly, he's like, yeah, I'm a competitive guy. I, I said it, let's move on. And it, that could have gone so much worse. Yeah, and I think it's the same thing with, with his wife, right? I mean, you, she's not paid to do this, and so she's not someone who gets up in front of the media and says stuff and is coached to do that sort of thing. And obviously, she probably gets help from people when it comes to that. But it's understandable she'd have a moment of frustration. I don't have any problem with anything she might have said. The lateral move stuff struck me a little bit funny. Um, you know, at the time, it was like, ooh, shots fired. And, you know, at, at some point, it's just like anything. If he struggles, that'll be brought up. And if he succeeds, then no one's going to say anything about it. And let's be honest, guys, nothing they could have said is more offensive to me as a fan than watching the third and long play action we saw from Nussmeyer this year. So well, I'm ready. Come on in. I don't care what you said. Bygones be bygones. Let's put points on the board and let's go. Um, yeah, and kind of, you know, when the announcement was made that he was going to be head coach, you know, there were a lot of uh, – there was some talk out there with former Gators, uh, one in particular – uh, didn't really care for the hire, and even he came around uh, a little bit. Uh, Noah Brindice uh, had some shots to take at, at Dan Mullen, and I think it was led to believe he wanted Steve Spurrier to be the head coach uh, at Florida after some, you know, I think failings around of, of getting Chip Kelly. Uh, but, you know, other former Gators have come out and, and expressed, uh, you know, positivity towards Dan Mullen and glad he's the coach, especially a lot of his former players have come out on Twitter uh, and social media. Even Steve Spurrier had, had the video welcoming him uh, as well. 
well. And, you know, Mullen, I think Mullen gets it. You know, I think he won a lot of people over by mentioning Coach Berger's name, uh, you know, a, a few times and going to go play golf with him and talking to talking with him about coaching. And then there's stories of meeting up at SEC Media Days. I mean, this is a guy who gets it. You know, he didn't have to bring up Spurrier's name. And look, we, we kind of all know by now the story of Jim McElwain not even heeding uh, Steve Spurrier's in, uh, um, uh, info that he wanted to give him. Steve Spurrier wanted to help him out, and McElwain basically shoved him away uh, there. That irked a lot of people. That rubbed some people the wrong way. You know, Dan Mullen has come in and embraced what it is. I mean, look, he's been here before. He knows what it is, but he has embraced uh, being a Florida Gator in just a short time he's been here. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I mean, Florida fans just want to understand or want to think that their coach gets it and sort of the somber press conferences and the, the just lack of efficacy and the lack of really sort of understanding. I mean, you know, there was, there was a quote from Mullen. I tweeted out from an ESPN article um, that came out this week. I think it was at Ashoff who, who released it, but it basically said that he he said his job was to adapt to his quarterbacks because it was easier than having them adapt to him. And I was just like, wow, that's music to my ears to have that as the guiding principle of what you're going to do. And during the press conference, he sort of reiterated that sort of principle that, that he's going to adapt to what his quarterback can do, which, you know, sort of bleeds its way into the program for everything else. He's going to adapt to what his running backs can do. He's going to adapt to what his strength and conditioning coaches and, and the abilities and, 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 and just the abilities of his players and being able to adapt. And so I think, um, you know, people saw that people see, you know, and, and I also think that everybody had stars in their eyes about this dream hire. And then when you really start delving down in the details for Mullen, things really start to look good when you look at some of the other people who've made these types of jumps. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. And we, we put out a poll, which we will discuss later in the show today, just asking people to gauge their feelings about the hire as Gator fans. And it was, it was striking to me how many people, said, at first, I hated this. Now, I like it. You know, you had um, a couple quotes here on that. Let's see. Uh, Michelle Yates uh, at GatorGrad79 says, was previously negative, cited his average SEC record, thought about him having to play teams in the West every year as opposed to being in the East, then saw he and his wife's enthusiasm and excitement about being here, and I heard him talk about intensity, and it's what we've been missing. So I think there's a lot of people that kind of came around to that. And you know what i tell you? I think it is. If you listen to his press conference uh, as an answer to the problems we've identified with the McIlwain regime, you know, we've seen a lack of strength and conditioning. We see guys getting blown up in the mission game. They talk about strength and conditioning. We see them recruiting this helter-skelter mix of quarterbacks. They don't let the running quarterbacks run. They don't – it's just a, it's a mess. And then he talks about adapting to his players. You know, you see him – McIlwain struggling with the, the the largeness of the job, you know, it really doesn't appear that he wants to be there. Well, Mullen comes out and shows enthusiasm. So on every point, Gator fans, I think, saw these answers to the, the concerns that they've had with with the program for so long, and it was a breath of fresh air. I mean, that's that's what everybody wants to see. It's one day, it's only one day, but it was a good one for, for uh, Dan Mullen. Absolutely. Good start. And on Tuesday, guys, he announced uh, two hires uh, of his staff, his first two hires. Guys, we talked about it the other night, and we, we kind of nailed this. We definitely thought Billy Gonzalez and John Hevesy would be two guys he brought from Mississippi State. Uh, and definitely, uh, it, it was true. Early Tuesday morning, uh, I was actually just scouring around on Twitter and noticed Billy Gonzalez and John Hevesy both had tw- changed their Twitter uh uh, headers on their on their Twitter profiles and had Gator graphics already up and I was like, well, that's pretty much official. And then it came out later today 
uh, later in the day uh, that those two guys were officially uh, on board Dan Mullen's staff at Florida. So for Billy Gonzalez, everybody remembers uh, he was here to our receiver coach under Urban Meyer when Dan Mullen was offensive coordinator at Florida. Uh, some of him uh, released from Florida over the past five seasons at Mississippi State. The Bulldogs recorded 18 100-yard receiving games, including a school record seven in 2015, five times in his tenure at Mississippi State. Uh, the candidate for multiple 100-yard receiving games in the same contest, something that had only been done five times in the program history prior to Gonzalez's arrival. Uh, in addition, the the three highest team single season receiving yard totals were all under uh, Gonzalez's watch. Every individual single single season school receiving record was broken under Gonzalez. The Bulldogs shattered the school record for total receiving yards in the third straight year in 2015 with 4,113. Uh, Best known for Fred Ross under him, arguably went down as the greatest receiver in Mississippi State history. Uh, Ross shattered six school records, including career marks for receptions at 199, receiving yards, 2,528, 100-yard receiving games with 10, and consecutive games with a reception with 35. Uh, Ross also became the first receiver in Mississippi State history to earn first-team All-SEC Conference honors in back-to-back seasons. Uh, despite being in a run-oriented offense for most of 2016, Ross still managed to top the SEC in receiving touchdowns with 12, ranked second in catches with 72, first in 10-plus yard catches with 38. Uh, Ross's 199 catches ranked ninth in SEC career history. He became another of a long line of Gonzalez receivers to reach the NFL when he signed with the Carolina Panthers. And John Hevesy, uh, also previously with Urban Meyer, Dan Mullen here at Florida uh, in 2017, Hevesy uh, oversaw the third best rushing attack in the SEC at 249.6 yards per game while at Mississippi State. Uh, led the league in rushing attempts with 579. In addition, the Bulldogs' offensive line surrendered the fewest sacks in the conference 11. That would be welcome here at Florida, believe me. <laughs> 11, <laughs> yeah, 11 sacks actually ranked six nationally as well for this year in 2017. Uh, three of Hevesy's former uh, offensive linemen were on NFL rosters during the 2016 season. Gabe Jackson, Dylan Day, Blaine Clausel. Um, he uh, produced Kent Hole Trophy winners since 2013, two of them. Uh, that award recognizes the top offensive lineman in the state of Mississippi. Um, and then uh, so top the top seven single-season total offensive yard marks have all been set in Hevesy's tenure on staff including the third best mark during the 2016 season, 5,723 yards. Uh, despite a rash of injuries on the offensive line, hey, we're used to that, uh, the Bulldogs proved to be one of the dominant rushing units in the SEC. Mississippi State racked up 2,997 rushing yards, representing the third highest total in single season history. Uh, the Bulldogs allowed the second fewest sacks in the conference, 18. Quarterback Nick Fitzgerald, Arius Williams, became one of the top tanners in the nation. Um, so, you know, looking at that guys, uh, those two guys, Hey, look, we remember their time at Florida. They did some good things at Mississippi state. That's why they're coming to Florida with him. Uh, so, you know, the, I think, uh, to get the ball rolling on Dan Mullen's staff, just two good hires, uh, and some holdovers also from the current staff. Yeah, these were both good hires. In my opinion, these are guys that, uh, have experience on, on UF staff and, and really the golden era of, uh, the post Spurrier Florida football era. Um, they were both there for at least four years. Gonzalez was there for five under Urban Meyer. They're Urban Meyer guys. They they followed him from Bowling Green to Utah to Florida. They got championship rings. Um, these are guys that now Mullen leans on as kind of his right-hand men. Uh, they were both uh, co-offensive coordinators at Mississippi State, and I think you'll probably see that uh, role 
apply to both of them as well or something, you know, equivalent, whether it be an assistant head coach or some kind of coordinator title at Florida. Uh, they're guys that, um, you know, you look at, at Gonzalez especially. You know, you talked about some of the guys that he, he coached and some of the numbers they produced and the accolades. Uh, but more importantly, he's the last guy that provided real stability and quality at the wide receiver coaching position uh, in, in the last decade because he was there from 2005 to 2009. And after he left, he had a revolving door. In 2010, you had Zach Azani for a year, then Aubrey Hill for a year, then Bush Hamden, then Joker Phillips, then Chris Leak. And then finally, Kerry Dixon has been here for a few years. But it was questionable results, to be honest. Uh, and so his return to me is – it marks not only the next wide receiver coach at Florida, but a guy that's been there, had high-level success, and I think we can count on to hopefully be around a few years as they establish this new era. Yeah, I think I think the key is that these are offensive guys. I mean, you know, I, I know there's some discussion about whether Grantham's going to come over on the defensive side, but really the fact that these are offensive guys, obviously the history that they have with Urban Meyer, but even the history they have with Mississippi State. So, I mean, Florida against FBS opponents hasn't averaged more than 23.9 points over the last three years. Mullins offenses, including the, with these guys running it, never averaged below 25.3 and and certainly has built up into an offense that the last four years has been up over 30 and significantly over 33 those four years, um, three of those last four years. So I think it's significant that he's bringing the offensive help with him, that it's not necessarily three or four defensive staff members, that he's he's recognized these are the guys he needs. These are his guys. These are guys who've spent time in Florida and, and spent time in that Meyer regime, which um, – be quite honest, if if Mullen hadn't left for Mississippi State and Meyer had left a year or two later, you wonder whether this is the staff we would have had right right back then, four yeah. or five, six years ago, just because it would have been natural to say, hey, Mullen's the guy who's going to take the next step. We'll have these guys be the offensive coordinator, and they're sort of building that back just, just a decade too late maybe. Yeah, no kidding. And I know we're probably going to touch on the coaches that departed today, uh, you know, but um, – That's actually where I was going next, so we can go there. Okay, well, one thing I was going to mention, though, is, you know, they did retain Davis temporarily, uh, the the offensive line coach that was here with, with uh, McIlwain. And it's worth noting that uh, Hevesy has coached both tight ends and offensive line in his year. So he could end up co-offensive coordinator and tight ends coach or co-offensive coordinator and offensive line. I think there's some uncertainty as to how things are going to finalize there. Mm-hmm. But it, it gives Mullen a little bit of flexibility as he's piecing together staff. Yeah, Brad Davis, Chris Rump, Juwan Sider, Tim Skipper are still on the staff. Uh, they would be recruiting this week. Uh, from what I could gather, these guys, you know, would probably finish, you know, if they're they, – they basically basically have until January or whatever uh, to, to figure out what, what Mullen can do to figure out if they're going to be uh, on this staff or not. You know, there's no timetable or, or anything like that. And, you know, to see if they're still going to be on uh, staff or not. I thought it was a good sign that uh, Juwan Sider was out recruiting with Dan Mullen in the state of Georgia uh, this week. Uh, we'll kind of get into that too uh, later on. But – visiting Damian Pierce, big-time running back there, and five-star quarterback Justin Fields. So uh, it was neat to see Dan Mullen, uh, you know, playing basketball uh, at the, there in the state of Georgia uh, with recruits when he was with Jawan Sider. Uh, wearing that, his Jordans. Wearing his Jordans, that's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, and we'll see the the interaction Brad Davis, Chris Rumpf, and uh, Tim Skipper have uh, as well. But uh, the guys that were let go, of course, Doug Nussmeyer, uh, Yahoo! Uh, Rob Ickey, Corey Bell, Kerry Dixon, and Greg Nord. Uh, yeah, all this Greg stuff. Nord's the uh, tight ends and not so special teams and coach of break dancing. So. <laughs> the worm. That's uh, right. <laughs> and falling asleep at basketball games. That's right. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, so those guys are let go. We mentioned the guys that are sticking around. So it looks like it's coming together. Uh, we'll see. I think Todd Grantham is, uh, from reports, going to be interviewing for the Mississippi State uh, head coaching job. So, you know, he has a lot of NFL experience. He's had some college experience going back from Georgia to Louisville. Uh, to Mississippi State, and now he's going to be interviewing for that Mississippi State job. So it may take a little while uh, to see what he, what's going to happen with him until Mississippi State decides on who they want to be head coach, replacing Dan Mullen. Yeah, this yeah. will be a fluid process, uh, you know, as they piece things together and get the guys they want. And I know that there are some guys that are retained, but as I tweeted today, I wouldn't count on uh, all those guys that have been left on staff for the moment to be there. I think what they're trying to do is keep some continuity and recruiting until he can decide on a few of those final decisions, you know, in, in those final pieces to his staff. Yeah, but before you jump in there, and the reason those guys are still out recruiting and doing what they're supposed to do, they're still getting paid by the university. So they kind of have to. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and I, I was just going to say, you know, the, now that now that the fan base has really, I think, sort of come around on Mullen, I, I think Grantham is probably the lightning rod. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how people um, view his either coming as a defensive coordinator or not because he's staying at Mississippi State, whether that's a positive or a negative. I think it'll be probably a, a less known quantity if they if they don't bring Grantham. But, you know, whether that's a positive or negative for the fan base, we'll just have to see. Yeah, and we may have a chance to talk about that. It won't be in this episode. But if, uh, if Grantham does take it and they still have it made um... – or if he does take that defensive coordinator position or, or the head coaching position at Mississippi State, we have some names uh, that we kind of got to let the you know, dig and go see who they may uh, get at defensive coordinator uh, for Florida. So uh, before we dive into uh, some more breakdown stuff, uh, we got some big big time numbers coming up. Uh, you know, looking at Dan Mullen's time, uh, SEC West, and looking at those opponents there. Uh, just remember, Gators Breakdown is brought to you by Morty M O R T Y, the newest and smartest way to get a home mortgage. If you ever bought a home, you know that the mortgage process can be some of the most confusing and painful hours of your life. Now, I recently bought a home uh, myself and to find a lender that fits the needs for me and my family and doing all the research myself for rates took entirely way too much time. I really needed to find a way to make the process fast and worry free. Morty makes it fast and easy. Morty not only simplifies the process, but they help you find the smartest mortgage that's right for you. Just input your information into Morty's secure website, and in less time than it takes to hear this ad, you can shop qualified rates from different lenders. With Morty, you get real loan options in minutes without ever being called or sold to by a mortgage broker. And by shopping loans from different lenders, you're able to pick the rate in term that best fits your needs. In addition to that, Morty can automatically generate a pre-approval letter online for you in minutes, which will help you speed up the home buying process and talk confidently to realtors and sellers. Morty wants you to save money. At Morty, there's no commission sales people, so their experts exist solely to get you the best deal possible. If you ever get stuck or have questions, someone from Morty's team is always ready to assist you over real-time chat or on the phone. So whether you're a first-time home buyer looking to refinance or buying an investment property, head on over to trymorty.com gators to get started today. That's T-R-Y-M-O-R-T-Y, trymorty.com. Dot com slash gators. Morty Inc. is a licensed mortgage broker, equal housing lender, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 1429243. So, guys, uh, <clears throat> something I really wanted to look at just because uh, it's kind of been hit on of the the, the negative part of, the, of Dan Mullen. And uh, the, if you go back, uh, what, what fans have kind of pointed to uh, the issue with his record versus the SEC West. Um, 
And I wanted to dive in and just see how close or how far away he was to the top dogs in the SEC West. Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, and I also threw Ole Miss in there since they're the in-state rival and hit an uptick in recruiting, albeit by cheating. So, uh, so Mullen, of course, 2009 to 2017 uh, at Mississippi State, went and combined 13 and 29 versus those teams, 0 and 9 versus Bama with an average score of 31 to 10 Bama, 3 and 6 versus Auburn, average score of 29 to 22 Auburn, 2 and 7 versus LSU, average score of 28 to 21 LSU. Three and three versus Texas A&M. Remember, they joined in 2012. Average score tied at 32. And five and four versus Ole Miss with an average score of 30 to 21 Mississippi State. So I wanted to dive in and kind of look at some numbers of, you know, what what, what was happening uh, on the offensive side of the ball. That's what we know needs to be fixed uh, at Florida versus Bama. They averaged 280 yards a game with the highest being uh, in 2014 with 428 yards in that game. Average 192 yards passing, 96 yards rushing versus Alabama in his time at Mississippi State. Versus Auburn, averaged 368 yards a game, with the highest in two, being in 2011 with 531 yards of offense versus the Tigers. Averaged 197 yards passing, 173 yards rushing against Auburn. And then uh, versus LSU, averaged uh, 370 yards a game, highest being in 2014 with 570 yards of offense. Average 230 yards passing, 145 yards rushing. Versus Texas A&M, averaged 462 yards a game, highest being 574 in 2016, averaging 218 yards passing, 244 yards rushing. Uh, and then against Ole Miss, uh, 418 yards a game, the highest being 566 in 2016, averaged 203 yards passing, 218 rushing. Now, you know, with, with these stats, it shows how much recruiting matters. The three teams of Alabama, LSU, and Auburn recruited really well, and it showed most of the time when Mississippi State lined up against them. Bama averaged the number one class from 2009 to 2017. LSU averaged 5.8. Auburn's was 9.6. And it's no coincidence that Mississippi State had better success versus Texas A&M and Ole Miss as their recruiting rankings weren't near as high. 16 and a half average for Texas A&M and 20.5 for Ole Miss. Mississippi State, Mississippi State ranked 27th in average recruiting ranking from 2009 to 2017. So like I said, Bama, Bama averaged one, LSU ranked 5.8, Auburn 9.6, 16.5 for Texas A&M and 20.5 for Ole Miss. So in 2013, all those other schools ranked in the top 10 in recruiting while Mississippi State, Mississippi State ranked 24th. In 2014, they all ranked in the top 15 with Mississippi State, Mississippi State ranked 36. So what comes out of this for me is Dan Mullen competed in the SEC West and competed pretty well when the roster wasn't up to par. So if Dan Mullen can recruit at Florida, like we hope he can, he has a much better home state to recruit from. I believe this shows he could compete big time at Florida, because besides Alabama, he was within a touchdown or tied or had a lead in the average score against those schools. Yeah, you know, it, he was outgun week to week, and he's still got some of these wins. And you're going to see consistent results with that in the SEC, no matter which team you're analyzing. Guys, we can't look at the guy and say, oh, 
I, I keep seeing the comparison to Mark Richt. And Mark Rick had elite recruiting for a lot of years at Georgia. He had Georgia resources. He had the East to compete in. You know, Florida's been struggling, and he still hasn't got it done. Mullen was at Mississippi State, you know, bringing a knife to a gunfight versus Alabama. They're bringing Scud missiles, you know, and he still – he couldn't beat Bama, but he still got some wins over some of these, these, these bigger programs over there running the gauntlet every year. I just don't think it's a fair comparison to expect – um, elite results with, you know, get elite output without elite input of a, from a talent base. It's also really interesting that if you look, he had the misfortune of having Alabama and LSU on the same home and away schedule. So every year he either had Alabama and LSU at home or Alabama and LSU on the road and Ole Miss fell on that schedule as well. So their biggest rivalry game fell on that schedule too. And if you look at Mullen's success, his best records come in years where he had to play Alabama and LSU on the road because those were basically sacrificial SEC games. And then he got the other SEC games at home and they were able to win some of those. And that's when he had those nine and 10 win seasons. So, you know, people looking for a breakthrough, um, you know, that 2014 season, they happened to have Alabama and LSU on the road that year. Potentially if Prescott had played that well in 2015, they would have, you know, they would have had a much better season. So, um, it's just interesting to look at it that way that I, it it fell a little bit unlucky the way their schedule set up and the, just sort of the big horses in the SEC while he was over there. But it's understandable. I mean, he was basically starting all, I mean, for the most part, 0-2 every season just based on the talent level, talent differential between the teams. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you go back and look at the average score, 31-10 to 10 versus Bama. LSU, I'm sure, is a lot closer. We know LSU and Alabama have played you know great games in that time. But look. They recruit similar to each other, Auburn as well. Uh, but you know, to be within a touchdown for nine years against Auburn and LSU, teams that recruit in the top ten, you know, look, you start getting athletes that you can get at Florida, that's going to turn around. You have an easier SEC East already, so you should start winning in the East right away. But then when you play LSU every year, you know, you, you get these Florida athletes, you're going to you're going to be if you start recruiting better which he should, you're going to start being expected to beat LSU. And you're going to start being expected to beat the other SEC West team that comes along uh, as well, as long as you have a top five to top ten class. And the A&M, they, was that, they recruited about, you know, just um, cut in half. Their recruiting was, was better than Mississippi State and went three and three in his time there. And the average score was 32 to 32. Ole Miss in-state school, they had to cheat to get the players they went uh, went and got, and uh, Dan Mullen held his own against them. So I just think this is a clear signifier for people who are worried about what he did in the SEC West. And as Bill said, you know, look, don't be so worried about it. I don't think there's many head coaches out there that would have been on that Mississippi State sideline and would have done much better. Yeah, I- I think it's I think it's legitimate to be worried about it. I mean, I think you look at it and you say you just don't know. There are a lot of games in that. If you look if you look at those if you look at the scores, there are a lot of games where Mississippi State lost the game close. And so is that a talent differential or could a coach have made a difference in those games? I think it's legitimate to ask that question. Um, it's legitimate to say, hey, you had Dak Prescott in 2014 and 2015, and yeah, you won 19 games, and that's a lot of games to win at Mississippi State. But in the year, what was it, 2014? Um, you know, 2014 narrowly lost to to Alabama, beat LSU, 
beat Auburn, but then got beat by two touchdowns to Ole Miss. And granted, Ole Miss was 18th, was ranked 18th at that point. But, you know, that was really an opportunity to maybe push things forward. And so I think it's legitimate to have some questions about that. I think that's one of the reasons that Florida fans were were maybe a little bit apprehensive about the hire. But but I think when you start looking at the broad the broad um, the broad sample of work, I think you can be encouraged that if he's bringing in top five classes, that that he'll be able to compete with top five competition. Yeah, I, I don't want to invalidate those concerns at all because you're right, guys. I mean, they, those of you out there that are saying, "Hey, look, I, I know he's a good coach, but I want to see him do it on the field at a championship level." Um, yeah, he hasn't done it yet. He, he has not achieved a championship level of football uh, on the field yet. Uh, I, I just think it, that the way we have to analyze that, the way we have to be concerned about it, is just by good comparisons, and and you got to control the factors there. If he doesn't have the talent, then we can't expect that yet. So hopefully he can get it done. One one thing I wanted to mention, uh, John Curto, one of our uh, Twitter followers, responded to our poll that we're going to be discussing, and he brought up an interesting point here. He says, you know, he knows UF, he knows the SEC, especially who we have to beat to win in Atlanta. And, you know, and that got me thinking, is there any other coach that they could have brought in that had significant experience in both the SEC East and the SEC West? And I don't think there's anybody that can match Dan Mullen's resume as far as that goes. Hmm. That would have been somewhat of a good hire. Does really. Right. I mean, like somebody like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. Legitimate hire. I mean, not really. A coordinator in the East with wild success and a, and a head coach in the West with, with at least measured success. Les Miles, maybe. Was he a coordinator in the East? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just, I, I was just sorry. I was just going in general. But Yeah, in general, yeah. But I'm saying he has significant experience in each yeah. division of the SEC, and that's a very unique situation. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to pump up Les Miles for any type of job. That's <laughs> 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 not what I meant by that. Uh, but yeah, you know, I guess looking for similar parameters, that's where I threw less miles in and out. Uh, but you know, there were not many coaches out there that had the SEC experience, SEC East experience, SEC West experience that you really could have uh, put um, uh, put that in there. So yeah, uh, we well we do know Dan Mullen was around under Urban Meyer when they did get the talent, and he knows the type of talent that it takes to get to the top and he saw it done firsthand under urban Meyer. And he looked, he was along for a lot of those recruiting trips. He was along getting some of those guys uh, into uh, the program at Florida, the, the Tim Tebow's, the Percy Harvest in the world, the offense, the way it worked. Uh, that was Dan Mullen's offense. And he was involved in some of the recruiting of some of those guys. Yeah, he certainly was. I, I think, People don't really remember that Mullen was that involved. I think at some of the recruiting. Um, so I went back and I looked at at uh, 2005 to 2018, basically for Florida, and looked at all the blue chips according to rivals. So four star and five star, four star and five star according to rivals. And under the Urban Meyer regime, including the transition year, um, you know Meyer averaged 16.3 blue chips over those four years. Muschamp, when he came in from 2011 to 2014, averaged 13.3. And McIlwain averaged 10.3. So there was a significant drop-off in talent and recruiting from Meyer to Muschamp. And there was a, and there was this, a similar drop-off from Muschamp to McIlwain. So really, six more guys who had blue-chip quality were coming into the program back when Urban Meyer was recruiting versus now. And if you look at it, I went back and looked and saw, basically gave a uh, – gave a 
synopsis of how many guys were contributors during that time. So said, okay, this guy, Jeff Demps, he was a contributor and sort of went down the line. It ends up about 50% of your blue chip players end up being contributors. So you really need 16 guys to be an elite team because that gives you eight starters from, you know, the 2005 year that gives you 10 starters from 2006. And all of a sudden you've built a program that's just chock full of talent because you've done that. Um, so under Meyer's regime, one of the, you know, the good news is, is that if you look at the primary recruiter for those blue chip guys, Billy Gonzalez, he brought in eight total from 2006 to 2008 as the primary recruiter. Dan Mullen brought in eight from 2006 to 2008. Greg Madison brought in 10. Charlie Strong brought in 12. And then Stan Drayton, which is someone who hasn't really gotten any play as a, as a potential assistant, he brought in 14. And he was only there from 2007 to 2008. So in those two years, he brought in 14 blue chip uh, blue chip players. And he's now the assistant head coach and running back coach at Texas. Um, conceivably, that's somebody that, I, that I'd, I would encourage Mullen to go after, or at least to look at and give a look. He'd be familiar with him. He's certainly familiar with Florida and just his recruiting ability and that. I mean, he was bringing in all sorts of guys. And, you know, you look at, you look at Meyer, he had eight blue chips in 2005, 21 in 2006, 20 in 2007, and 16 in 2008. It's really not a surprise that that team was good just based on the amount of people they were bringing in. And Mullen was a big part of that. That's, that's, that's Bill's wheelhouse there. <laughs> yeah, guys, I've been talking about this for a long time, and, and it's got to get done. And the good news is the Mullen, like you said, was was a major player when, when they were bringing this talent, all that talent. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Gonzalez and, and some of the players that he brought in. Um, Billy Gonzalez, I believe, was the point man in bringing Percy Harvin to Gainesville. Uh, you know, maybe arguably the biggest recruit outside of Tebow, uh, and it – you talk about impact on the field, they, you know, it was right up there, you know, play for play. Um, you know, so the guy has brought in elite guys and knows, you know, what they look like and, and it can get them there. So that's another reason I was happy about, you know, him deciding to bring these two guys over with him. Uh, but, yeah, Dan Mullen, I believe he's going to be a good recruiter. And it's going to be very interesting. Um, number one, as a Gator fan, but, you know, when you step back from that, just as a college football fan and as a guy that likes to follow recruiting – I'm interested to see what he's got that, you know, we keep talking about him stepping over to Florida and having those resources and not being handcuffed by Mississippi state and the stigma of it being a um, kind of a bottom feeder program in the West with tremendous disadvantages. Well, now he's going over to Florida where the Gators have tremendous advantages to sell on the recruiting trail. And, you know, if he's as good as he can be, and, and I think he might be, it's going to be really fun to see what he can do. Yeah, and I have to go back, and I, and I don't think you know he was really involved at Mississippi State recruiting the state of Florida, but you know I wonder if you can kind of compare transitioning to the way Georgia had to do it with Kirby Smart. You if mean like first-year classes? Yeah, first-year classes when they come in because you got you got to look. Kirby Smart was at Alabama. He knew the state of Georgia because you know. They're so close. They're right beside each other to begin with, and he played there. He, even though it was years ago, he knows the feeling of what it's like to play at Georgia uh, and, and the state itself. Dan Mullen was an assistant coach at Florida for four years. He knows the the state. He knows the system. So I wonder, you know, similarly, you know, just a familiarity with the SEC and the school that you're going to, did that helps in this first transition class? 
Yeah, I think it absolutely does. And, and another Twitter follower that responded to our poll, Cody Hightower, one of the things he mentions is that he's going to embrace that UF culture and that pressure. And part of that is in recruiting. Um, but when you look at, at those first classes, man, it's all a mad scramble. Uh, for those of you that might be new to, to following recruiting, right now what is happening, you've got staff members being fired, staff members being hired. You're going to have kids that, you know, maybe Matt Mullen comes in and says, hey, look, I'm going to be honest with you. You were a great fit under the previous system, but I don't know if you're a great fit in mine. So they they might be asked to look around for other opportunities. Conversely, you're going to have kids that say, you know, I never really got along with Dan Mullen when he was recruiting me from Mississippi State. I'm out of here. I'm going to you know, Georgia or wherever. So it's just it's a time of, of turnover. And what happens generally is you see a little dip in the recruiting rankings. And I went back and looked historically at, at how, how Florida has done in this, in these transition first classes, when you call short time classes, when a coach is playing catch up with a few weeks or months to work with, and and typically what you've seen uh, is over the course of Zook and Meyer and Muschamp and McElwain, the average national rank ends up being uh, about thirteen and a half in the country. Now McElwain's was historically low at twenty one. Nobody had ever been that close in a first year class, even, um, and it brought the average down. Without him, it would have been around eleven. Um, in the SEC, though, overall, they average about 5.3. And, um, you know, without McElwain in there, it would have been 3.7. So typically, these are just outside the top 10. They're not your gangbusters, you know, filled with five stars classes. Uh, but they typically, other than Jim McElwain's, have had uh, a blue chip quarterback. Uh, that, you know, it's the years when we've seen like a four star Gavin Dickey came in in 2002 with Zook. You had Josh Portis was a four-star in 2005 with Meyer, and a guy that probably would have done well at Florida if Tebow hadn't showed up the next year. You know, Jeff Driscoll in 2011 and Jacoby Brissett were both four, you know, five and a four-star player respectively came in with uh, with Muschamp, and if they had had any semblance of an offensive system, uh, those guys could have probably done well. Uh, but then eventually, McElwain came in. He was the only one that didn't bring in a quarterback in that first year. So um, the, just expect a class ten. Anywhere from 8 to 12, probably, if the historical average holds true, hopefully a little better than that. And hopefully they'll have a quarterback in it like they've had in the past. And I, I think the, you know, obviously um, we all believe stars matter. And over the long term, they really do. But I think when you're talking about building a program, um, you don't necessarily need to be concerned about the transition class unless it's like McElwain's, right? I think we learned a lesson just saying, oh, you know, it's it's coming in off of Muschamp and, and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I think what we learned is that the recruiting just wasn't up to par for what Florida needs to be when he came in. Um, Twitter follower Randy Stern at RLStern9 tweeted me yesterday talking about Mullen as a comp for Saban from Michigan State, sort of Nick Saban moving over from Michigan State. And that got me thinking about guys who conceivably, you know, from a program building perspective, we're at maybe a lower tier power five school and then move to a traditional power. And I was looking for comps for both positive and negative. And I'll be honest, I had a hard time finding negative examples. So you can look at Saban and Michigan State. He went 34 and 24 and one, goes to LSU and goes 48 and 16. So went from 58% to 75% win percentage. Less miles at Oklahoma State went from 57 to 77. Mac Brown at North Carolina went from 59 to 77 when he went to Texas. Harbaugh at Stanford went from 58 to 74. James Franklin at Vanderbilt went from 62 to 67. Richt at Georgia went from 69 to 79. Petrino at Arkansas went from 67 to 74 when he went to Louisville. And then maybe even the best comp for, for, uh, for Mullen, 
Paul Christ at Pitt in his three years went 19 and 19, so won 50%. Went to Wisconsin and he's now 33 and six, so he's won 85% of his games. Um, you know, so really what it looks like is guys who compete at programs where they necessarily, where people have had trouble competing in the past, do a very good job when they come into power programs. Um, the only examples I could really find, and certainly if other people have more, more send them my way, but Steve Sarkeesian at Washington won 54% of his games, went to USC and did win 67% of his games, but obviously had some issues there with, with drinking. Um, a really bad example, the only one I could find was Houston Nutt at Arkansas. He won 61% of his games there. Went to Old Miss, which I don't think is necessarily going to a power school, and really struggled. Um, you could throw Muschamp That's a in lateral there. move, Will. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a lateral move. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, interestingly, going from a power to a non-power doesn't seem to make much of a difference because Muschamp at Florida was 57%, goes to South Carolina, he's won 56% of the time. And then Todd Graham at Pitt went 6-6 six and six in one year. So I sort of was using that as a comparison for Paul Christ, and then went to Arizona State and has won 60% of his games. So, you know, I mean, the floor is winning 60% of the games. The ceiling's winning 85. Most of these guys are winning about 75, which would basically mean an average of 10 and 3 every year. Um, you know, pr pretty pretty good. I'm still stuck on this Arkansas to Ole Miss thing. That's like upgrading from like a Buick to an Oldsmobile. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it was hard to find guys who transferred from Power 5 schools and struggled. I mean, the reality is, is when you've, when you've, had, when you've had success at one of those places, um, and you've kept them above where they historically are. It looks like when you get to a power school, the bump in uh, the bump in recruiting allows you to bump that win percentage as well. That's really encouraging. And I was eager to hear that tonight because I know you had teased that. And if you think about it, though, when you put a guy through the ringer and he keeps his head above water in, in a competition level like that, uh, I'm sure it's going to prepare him to not come in and coast. You know, he, he's going to be, like you like said, relentless effort because relentless effort is probably what it took just to tread water in the SEC West at Mississippi State. And yeah, look, and I, okay. uh, go ahead, Will. Well, I was just going to say, I've been looking at guys' winning percentage and saying guys who win immediately. It's something I said maybe a month ago, Dave, but guys who win immediately then continue winning when they get into these power, these power programs. But those are guys who started out at Bowling Green and went to Utah and then came to Florida. Those aren't guys who went to Mississippi State and then came to Florida. So this was sort of trying to get a sampling of those guys who who started at a program that's just harder to win at. I mean, it's it's harder to win at Mississippi State than it is to win at at UCF. I mean, that's just the reality. And so comparing Frost and Mullen is really a hard thing to do based on their track records or lack thereof. But I think we can be encouraged based on what we've seen that, that the, you know, people call Mullen a, a low or I guess a high floor candidate looking at this. I'm not sure that's true. I mean, if he goes 10 and three, 11 and two every year, no one's going to call him high floor. <laughs> yeah. And I think what, what this can also say is these guys had success at mid-tier Power Five schools, they they've tasted they've tasted success, but they know their limitations. So they're still hungry when they get these big jobs, and they know it's possible. Like, look, if I can get these five four stars and these couple five five stars to put on my roster, that could be the difference. And I think it makes them hungry. And you know, you've seen Dan Mullen on the road already. We've heard phone calls being made to recruits. We see him out there recruiting on day two, going to the state of Georgia and chasing guys that. Look, we, he may not have a shot at Justin Fields, but you know what? He's dang sure trying, and that's what he needs to be doing. So these guys have got a taste of, hey, I had some success at a lower-tier school. I'm at the big job now. I'm still hungry. I want to go get me a championship. Yeah, can we talk a little bit about this quarterback situation for a minute? 
that's where we were going next. So uh, <laughs> yeah, anything else on the, the transition from Mississippi State to, to Florida? No, just uh, there's a couple of four-star wide receivers he's got there uh, to keep an eye on. Um, gosh, where are my recruits list here? Ta-da. Yeah, Sorry, I forget, guys. I forget the name. Uh, he offered, I think, a Mississippi State commit wide receiver, I believe. Who, it was. Malik Keith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Malik Keith is one of them. And Stephen Gentry's Yeah, and, you know, we've had some of our um, – our followers, Eric Russo was one that mentioned, he said, I'm sold when he started offering his MSU recruits and pulling MSU staff. Um, you know, listen, yes, you have to have the stars. And, and, and I know we're, some people might be um, taken aback a little bit if they see him offer a couple of these kids that he had this in this transition class. But don't forget, you know, Mississippi State has success because they had some blue chip players and they had some great players. And so if you see him bring over a couple of these recruits, like I would be disturbed if he took Mississippi State's whole class over. But if he takes a few of the guys that he says, hey, these are cream of the crop players that can play anywhere in the SEC, which he has demonstrated that he has the ability to land at Mississippi State in small numbers, I'm going to be really excited about that. And it could really help as they try to piece together this transition class. Absolutely. And of course, you know, if it can happen, uh, this transition class, Mullen is making it known, uh, and there's been interviews with with five-star quarterback Justin Fields uh, out of Georgia. That you know, look, he's interested. You're, uh, you're, I, I'm, I'm on the job. This is my first couple of days. I'm going to follow you on Twitter. I'm going to contact you on my first day, and I'm going to visit you on my first full day of the job. And Mullen goes. He's making a, a point uh, to go get to try and get a five-star quarterback to look. I mean, we, we, he's admitted, you know, he doesn't – he can cater to a quarterback. But from what we know and from what we've seen of Dan Mullen's offense, a quarterback like Justin Fields is, you know, cream of the crop would plug and play into the best of what we've seen from Dan Mullen's offense. So, you know, look. And, look, you also have another commit, of course, uh, or a, a commit, a, another quarterback in, in Matt Corral. So, uh, I, I don't think it scares him away. Uh, he's already committed, uh, and he seems to be uh, all in with Dan Mullins uh, being announced as, as head coach at Florida. He's sharing stories about Dan Mullen. Uh, he's retweeted stuff about Dan Mullen and uh, all that good stuff. So a lot of people are worried that you know now you're going – is it a possibility you could lose Matt Corral because now you're showing interest in this other quarterback? Look, Justin Fields come out and said in an interview he doesn't know if he's going to early sign or not at Georgia, so that leaves the door open just a little bit. He's at least showing interest because now he's going to accept a visit from Dan Mullen. Uh, he may play baseball in the spring. He may not be an early enrollee. He may not be an early signee uh, at Georgia. Him and, her fa- him and his father are still talking about that. But Dan Mullen has already talked to Justin Fields' father. If there was no interest, this visit on Tuesday wouldn't have been made. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we mentioned a week ago, uh, you know, I had heard there was some interest here uh, between Justin Fields and uh, in Florida and that he may have even taken a visit. And I had a friend of mine that's here uh, just sent me some an article where apparently he I talked to Kip Adams and uh, with SEC country and is talking about maybe the possibility of taking an official visit to Florida. Uh, but, guys, you, you look at it and uh, you look at the quarterbacks that, that have played for and excelled under Mullen. Tim Tebow, who was 6'3", you know, he was 235 probably at Florida. Dak Prescott, 6'2", 229. Alex Smith, 6'5", 230. And you got Justin Fields who's coming out at 6'3", 221, dual-threat quarterback. I mean, you know good and well Mullen is walking in with this list of names. I mean, I'm, if I'm him, I'm saying, hey, 
not only can I do this at, at Florida as a coordinator, I, I did it at Mississippi State as a head coach. What do you think I'm going to do here? I've done this five or six times. I've had number one draft picks. I've had first round draft picks. I've had, you know, tremendous NFL success. I've had Heisman trophies. You know, who is going to give you a, a better opportunity than I am? And how are you going to get that from a defensive minded head coach at Georgia? To me, it's, it's the perfect match when you talk about a recruiting pitch and a new coach. Uh, I, I think it's perfect. I don't look. I can't predict that that's going to happen. The guy is a he's a commit to Georgia for a reason. You never want to buy the hype and, and and sell yourself on beating the odds in recruiting. But I, I think the, our listeners out there need to prepare themselves. This could actually turn into a little heated battle here for Fields. It could, maybe it won't, but I think it's very very possible. But at the same time. You got Corral over there who 6'2", 195, probably not a prototype of what Mullen is looking for, to be honest. And he's shopping around. If you've got a guy that is looking for other opportunities, there's no way Dan Mullen can afford to sit on his hands and not go out and chase the best. And quite frankly, the fact that he went out first day on the job and said, hey, who's the number one player in the country? Does he fit my system? Yes, he does. I'm making a call. He does not care that he's committed to Georgia. The guy's not going to sit back and let somebody else dictate his destiny. He's making boss moves. Can he get it done? I don't know, but you have to love this. And there's no relationship between between Fields and Mullen at, at, at Mississippi State, you would have to imagine, or Corral at Mississippi State either. So, I mean, it, it's not a matter of like – you know, I mean, nobody should be offended. It's just everybody's going to feel each other out, right? So if Corral comes in and they, he builds a relationship with Mullen and Mullen says, hey, I'll adapt my system around you, then, hey, that works out. But, I mean, like Bill said, there's no reason you don't make a call the number one player in the country, especially if he fits your system. I mean, it's just malpractice not to. And, uh, you know, that was actually a debate back over the summer when Corral committed. Did Should McIlwain still go after Fields? He decided not to. I'm not necessarily sure that, that Fields chose Georgia over Florida. I think Florida may have made that decision for him, and now Florida's going to open it up again. Yeah, what a difference a coach makes. <laughs> I mean, a whole different ball game. This guy, you know, McIlwain couldn't survive the shark tank. Dan Mullen is showing that he may be one of the sharks. So wow. I, I'm all for that, and I'm all for chasing fields. I'm all for Corral. I like Matt Corral. I've watched this game tape. I think he's a great quarterback, but I, I think you got to you got to do what needs to be done to set yourself up for success. The, these first two years, as they're building the framework, is going to control the destiny of years three, four, and five. So now is the time. And if you have a chance to go out and get a guy that you think is the next Dak Prescott, the next Tim Tebow, the next Alex Smith, you've got to do it. Yeah. And here's the best case scenario. And I'm not saying this is going to happen. I doubt it happens. I very seriously doubt it happens. But best case scenario, Matt Corral wants to be an early signee, early enrollee. You get him in here in December, in January. Justin Fields doesn't early assign, doesn't early enroll at Georgia. You can still recruit him until February. You still have another month. You can sit there and recruit him. Justin Fields has already proven he's not scared to go up to a school where there's competition. There's Jake Fromm, who's a five-star quarterback, who is starting. Jacob Eason, is, he's probably going to transfer from Georgia. But look, that was not set in stone when Justin Fields made his decision to go to Georgia. So he already went to a school that had two five-star quarterbacks. He would be coming into a situation at Florida with a five-star or for a five-star, four-star quarterback who hasn't even played a snap yet. So Justin Fields would not be afraid, even if Matt Corral has early signed, early enrolled at Florida, 
If Dan Mullen can convince him in late January to make that flip before signing day, then Justin Fields could also be in a Gator uniform. You could have both of them. Now, I don't think it happens. Don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure it doesn't happen. But that's the best-case scenario, and I think there's a slim slim chance, you know, that something like that could come along. Yeah, and even I would say, even with what we've heard, chances of Justin Fields flipping at this moment, I don't know, 20%, 30%. But at the same time, the fact that you got them in the house tonight, they were supposed to meet at 7 o'clock. And I would bet, venture to guess that he probably took Jawan Sider in there and said, hey, let me tell you why I'm different. This guy, there were very serious looks uh, at Florida from, from the Fields camp early on. They took a hard look at Florida. And I can promise you things did not get worse at Florida over the last couple of weeks. They got a whole lot better, and the pitch got a whole lot better. So it's just one of those things we're going to have to wait around and monitor. And, man, I'm going to tell you, but if for some reason, if they were to, to beat the odds, if they were to pull the upset, again, 20 to 30% chance, I'm not – I want to create false hopes. But if they did this, it would instantaneously legitimize the Mullen era and send shockwaves across the country. You mark my words, if that was to happen, it'd be on. But even if it doesn't, I think it's a recognition. So, like, you know, you look at Mullen's offenses, and the offensive lines need to be strong in those because he wants to run the ball, whether it's with the quarterback or the running back. So he's going to go and do the same thing, right? He's going to reassess that position, who's on the board, who's available, who the best people in the country are, and he's going to go after them too. He's going to be able to make the same pitches that he's making to fields. So, you know, whether you get that guy or not, and I agree with you, Bill, if you get that guy, obviously it's transformative. And I think the same thing with Meyer and Tebow, right? that that was a transformative recruit to come to Florida. And I think the same thing would apply here. But um, but irrespective of that, being able to go after the transformative guys at other positions who maybe aren't as high profile will sure. then allow a quarterback who maybe doesn't have the tools that you necessarily want in, ideal, in an idealized Mullen offense to excel because everyone around him is so much better. Yeah, and, and they went and visited, uh, I believe, an offensive lineman uh, out of Mississippi. He's a three-star, Jerome Carvin. But, you know, Maybe they're already saying, hey, we, we know what's a good fit here. And, uh, you know, it's pretty clear from the visit with uh, Damian Pierce, the running back they have with Carvin, with Maliki, with, uh, with Fields. They are active. They're, they are wasting no time. They're getting after it. It's, it's going to be really fun. Uh, but if fans will condition themselves now to understand that there's going to be turnover, there's going to be people that leave the class, it's probably not going to be some top five class this year. But you're going to start to see the, the earliest foundations start to appear of his vision and the type of players that he wants. And it's, it's going to be really a really fun ride this fall. Something else that's been a fun ride, guys. Uh, it, it may not be breaking news uh, when some people hear this, but Brett McMurphy, sources, Mike Gundy has decided to remain at Oklahoma State. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. Six-year, $42 million deal from Tennessee, but will remain at his alma mater. But they said, hey, Mike, how much would it take to get you to come coach us? He said, how much you got? <laughs> They need to go get that guy in Texas who always onside kicks and goes for it on fourth down. Like at, the, at this point, just like, you know, say the heck with it and go get that guy in. Man, what a dumpster fire. <laughs> Man. Anyway. Jeff Brown now, I guess, is their next. Yeah, or maybe T. Martin. <laughs> yeah, or T. Martin. They, they might still get a quality coach out there. They might. Hey, I mean, look, they, I don't blame him for going. I, look, I actually didn't like the idea of them getting Gundy because that, that really legit, that's a legit coach. Yeah, I, I know he's second behind Oklahoma in his own state or whatever, but he would bring a scary offense to the SEC. Yeah, it makes that league uh, the, um, 
jelly thing. The chip jelly thing seems so small and so far away. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you want to get to our uh, poll next? Yeah, yep. Uh, you poll and a shout out, right? Yeah. First of all, shout out. Um, one of our listeners is a, a U.S. Marine. He's a recruiter stationed at Buffalo, Net, uh, New York. Is Daniel Overby. I want to give a shout out to him and his family. Uh, thank you for your service to our country and for tuning in and for reaching out this week, man. It was really good to talk to you. And uh, we really appreciate what you do for our country. Um, that was kind of a, a surprise shout out to you. Yeah, <laughs> we like to do them when we can. No, yeah. no, it was. Uh, he, he doesn't know about it, right? Well, he he does now, but he did oh, okay. at first. His, his wife reached out and, and and told us how big of a supporter he is of our show, and and so gave him a call and wanted to give him a shout out. But seriously, man, it was really great, and thank you so much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. And um, okay, so poll. We had a poll today. Uh, what are the gauge where the Gator Nation was at? At least the Twitter Gator Nation uh, that follows me, which I guess is a good cross section of fans. Uh, and wanted to see how they were feeling about this whole Dan Mullen thing. And so I nobody, asked them, nobody follows you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a, a, a tiny little band of misfits <laughs> that follows me. And, and I asked them. I said, "How do you feel about hiring? Uh, are you of hiring Dan Mullen as head coach?" And why? And I told him we would discuss some of the responses, which we have already. We had uh, 1,526 votes. And it's still actually going on, so feel free to keep voting. It'll go for another 12 hours or whatever. But I was a little surprised with how one-sided this was. That there were three options, happy with the hire, unhappy with the hire, and unsure or on the fence. 88% of those over 1,500 votes said they're happy with the hire. Uh, only 2% said they were unhappy with the hire, and 10% uh, so they were unsure or on the fence. And just to kind of give you an idea uh, of the kind of things they were saying, uh, Jefferson Devo uh, said that he felt the hire was perfect, safe, reliable, consistent, proven, SEC background. He has previous ties, and he's a winner. So he, he's clearly for it, and I can understand that. And then Country Boy at UF1 responded and said, Roger the hell out of that. And uh, also another positive response, uh, Brian Perry said he was the mastermind behind the Urban Meyer offense that gave us two national titles. Cannot argue there. Um, we mentioned how some people came around. Uh, Chase at KHC Dad said he was really pissed at first, but he thought that we could have done better. Uh, but after a couple of days of thinking about it, he likes it. He won two rings here. He's coached in the SEC the last nine years, has great experience. Um, really didn't find too much actual negative. Like I, I really, and I'm sorry if I missed a negative comment. Um, Robert Kraft, uh, RKraft612 says he's not the big splash I expected, but he's solid. Uh, another kind of negative one, uh, Aaron Hodges said the hire was solid, but I always have my eye on what UCLA is doing, just kind of have the one that got away, you know, with Chip Kelly. Um, and then lastly, those are who are, who are on the fence. Uh, Gator J. Charleston at No Fly Zone said he's unsure. I just got to see how the offense looks before I'm all in. And after all these years without it, uh, who can argue, man? But uh, the good news is I, I feel like the Gator Nation might have some some hope springing eternal here and uh, we got reason to believe so hopefully it pans out yeah because i don't know how many times i ended each season man it can't get worse than this yeah, this kurt roper guy will fix it <laughs> and somehow, charlie white guy will fix it and somehow it got worse every year <laughs> that, that mcelwain guy has receivers running wide open against alabama <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go join a cult in montana or something <laughs> if this doesn't work out i'm done <laughs> Hey guys, thank you for your Twitter uh, poll responses. Um, 
such good, intelligent responses from so many people. I think it was like 75 people at least that, that commented. Uh, thank you for continuing uh, to add to the conversation that we're, we're having here. You guys are an extension of the Gators Breakdown on Twitter, and it's, it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I even found somebody who uh, grew up in my hometown in Blackshear, Georgia, who just started following the podcast. So that was kind of cool. Isn't that near Scriven? Oh, yeah, right there. Yeah, exactly right there. Almost. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it. I, I had a guy that uh, me and some of my troubled friends, he would bring us up to a farm up there and, and uh, give us things to do to keep us out of trouble out of Jacksonville for a weekend here and there. <laughs> I have some family who lived there. So. I'm who still did? alive. I guess it worked. Yeah. Hey, that was a good episode, guys. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited. For all those of you picking on me and saying I was drunk last week and that's why I was optimistic, <laughs> it is not true. I'm excited about Dan Mullen. For all the numbers that we threw out you, you may have to go back and rewind and play it in slow-mo so you can keep up with it. <laughs> I mean, the, most, the most important thing here is hope, right? That, yeah. that you know, we always hoped that McIlwain was going to figure it out, and then we're just really frustrated when it didn't happen. And and I think there's now hope again that Mullen is going to bring back sort of those glory years, but that he gets it and that he's going to be able to, to advance the program. And even if the program doesn't get back to the Urban Meyer levels, that he's going to be able to prepare that he's going to be able to set it up for the next guy who comes in and does that too. And, you know, I don't know, want to talk about the next guy right now. <laughs> we've got, well, we've got Mullen coming in, but you know, I think there's just hope within the Gator community that, that this is going to be the guy to, to bring us back to where we're competing with Alabama, competing with LSU, competing with FSU. And, and that he understands that those games aren't necessarily just another game on the schedule, that they are critical to the Gator fan base and that they're critical to sort of the, the way Gators fans see themselves and what they, what they believe they should get out of their program. Well, I'm glad you said that because I, I tweeted that yesterday. and We didn't hear from Dan Mullen say that or anything. That was a big Urban Meyer thing. But I wanted to hear something along the lines of, we're going to beat FSU. We're going to beat Tennessee. We're going to beat LSU. We're going to beat Georgia. Uh, but, you know, I, I have no doubt in my mind he has that mindset. And not, not every game is the same. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, not every game is the same. So hopefully Dan Mullen brings that yeah, beat your rival mentality. Because, uh, look, you beat your rivals, that means you're having a good season. At the University of Florida, you beat those teams. That means you're having a good season. You got a good team. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think that uh, pretty straight to the point there. So, uh, guys, uh, thank you for another episode. Hey, one last thing, one yep. late-breaking thing. Brett McMurphy tweeted out uh, seven minutes ago. It's currently 9.42 on, uh, on Tuesday night. Um, he, Brett McMurphy says that Penn State offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead will become next coach at Mississippi State. Deal expected oh. that can be completed in a few days. That might send Grantham on over to Florida. So just something to watch for. Yep. So more than likely, like I said, if that's, that's what we're watching out for, uh, we'll have some heavy Grantham talk uh, on the next Gators breakdown. So probably won't be till next week, guys. We need a little bit of a break. <laughs> this coaching, this coaching search has gotten the best of best of us. Uh, need a little, need a little break. So uh, we gave you a, a good episode uh, of introducing Dan Mullen, uh, another one here. Uh, so you'll 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 hear you'll hear from us again next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Go Appreciate it. All right, all right. So for Will and Bill, um, thanks to those guys for joining us. You can find Bill on Twitter at RealBSykes. And Will Miles, you can find his work at SEC Country, and you can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.